The Raiders work out Colin Kaepernick. The Ravens sign Kyle Fuller. And the Browns extend David Njoku. All that and more on today's episode of Locked on NFL. You are Locked on NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into another episode of the Locked On NFL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Monday, so that means you have me, Kevin Ostriker, the host of Locked On Ravens. And of course, thank you for making Locked On NFL your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube. And today's episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And we're back here. It is Monday, and we still have a ton to talk about. OTAs are in full swing here. We're getting closer and closer to football season. Here today, though, we're going to be talking with your boy Q of Locked On Raiders and as well as Jeff Lloyd of Locked On Browns. The Raiders working out Colin Kaepernick, the Browns extending David Njoku. And in the second segment, I'm going to be taking it from there and talking about the Ravens signing Kyle Fuller as I am the Ravens host over at Locked On Ravens. And we'll be talking about the best secondary in the NFL and if that does belong to the Baltimore Ravens. So in the first segment, we'll talk with Locked On Raiders. Second segment will be me with Locked On Ravens. Final segment, Locked on Brown. So now let's get into the conversation around Colin Kaepernick and the Raiders workout with your boy Q of Locked on Raiders. Joining me here now is the host of Locked on Raiders, your boy Q. And Q, the Raiders have had a very exciting offseason so far. Big additions all across the board. How are you doing today? Man, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm excited, man. Uh, the season can't get here soon enough. Obviously, there's a long time between now and then. We don't even have training camp yet, but just seeing some OTAs, seeing some guys out there on the field stretching and throwing the ball around the yard, it almost feels like uh, it's ramping up pretty quick. So I'm pretty excited, my man. Yeah, it's football. OTAs are football are getting closer right. and closer. But the Raiders, they made news last week with the workout of Colin Kaepernick. Now, Kaepernick hasn't played since 2016. His held workouts here and there we've seen him pop up in the news but the Raiders workout seemed to be one that went positively and Q I wanted to ask if this was something you expected from the Raiders to work out Kaepernick obviously he's had stuff with the Seahawks here and there and other teams have expressed a little interest but obviously hasn't been in the league since 2016 was this something that you thought the Raiders would do and that you expected to happen you know, earlier in the offseason, I did. I thought that the Raiders were going to work him out. I thought there was a good chance that they brought him in. And, you know, owner Mark Davis has signed off on, hey, if you if the football people want to sign him, that's fine. You know, and, and it's funny because that made a lot of headlines. Everyone thought that Mark Davis was saying that they were signing him when he wasn't. He was saying, hey, if football says yes, then cool. I'm not going to get in the way. That's the same thing he said five years ago. You know, he has no problem with Colin Kaepernick. But as we know, he hasn't been signed, like you mentioned, hasn't played since 2016, hasn't had a workout since 2017, and now the Raiders bring him in. The thing about it is I didn't think that they were in position to bring him in at this point because they have Nick Mullins as a backup. They also just traded for Jared Stidham, so they gave up draft capital for a quarterback that knows Josh McDaniel's system. So at that point, I thought, okay, the, the door is closed. You know, it's not going to happen. And then lo and behold, what do I know? They bring him in and have him work out on Wednesday. And of course, all the headlines are, you know, cap with the Raiders is their possibility. So uh, I was glad that they brought him in, at least for a workout, because at this point of the state, you know, it's not even June. 
Why not kick the tires on someone and see what they have? It doesn't mean that you have to sign him, as they didn't, but at least kick the tires and see what he's got. Right, and I wanted to kind of go there next, because the Raiders do have options on their roster at quarterback. Obviously, this is Derek Carr's team, one of the more underrated quarterbacks, in my opinion, in this league. But you also have Nick Bones. You have Jarrett Stidham. So where would he fit in on this depth chart if he he was signed? Would it be the top backup option? Would it be a, a third quarterback job? Where would he fit in? You know, I think that he would be the the number one backup. I mean, I really do. I, I think that if he's healthy, which he should be since he hasn't played since 2016, but if he's still, if he's got the goods, if he's got the strong arm, if he's got the accuracy, I would think that he would be uh, option number one at backup. I looked at it like this. The last few years, the Raiders have had Marcus Mariota, right? He has been their backup quarterback, and he's been a very high-priced backup quarterback. And everyone in Raider Nation, everyone in the media, I know I asked John Gruden multiple times. We asked Rich Versaccia multiple times. Hey, are you going to get the Mariota package going? Meaning, are you going to get him on the field? Can he run the rock? Can he throw the rock? I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can use a Marcus Mariota. So now we fast forward to Kaepernick, and I look at, well, you can. Why can't you do the same thing with him? So that's why early in the offseason, I thought that that was a possibility since Mariota has gone to Atlanta now as the starting quarterback. And he's never he was never healthy anyway. The whole time he was with the Raiders, he was never really healthy. So they were never able to really get that Mariota package going. So I thought, why not cap? Why can't he be that guy? I think that it would it would make a lot of sense. Now, again, like I said, they they worked him out. They didn't sign him. So either. You know, they didn't like what they saw. I've heard that things went pretty well, but until you put pen to paper, you know, it doesn't really mean a whole lot of anything. But at the same time, you know, I think that he definitely has a role. And what I also like is Jarrett Stidham is there, the man, the quarterback that I mentioned that they traded for. He's been in McDaniel's system the whole time he's been in the league. So I think that Stidham would be really good competition as well. Uh, he's been a little bit banged up. That's why he hasn't really kind of taken off yet in the league. But um, he knows the system, so I think he helps out that quarterback room just with verbiage and, hey, this is the expectations, but at the same time competing for a spot. So I think it would make a very healthy, uh, competitive quarterback room. But, again, like I mentioned, they, they have a sign cap, so we'll see if that if that ever comes to fruition. Right. It'd be very talented in that room, a very deep quarterback yeah. room there in Las Vegas for sure. But, Q, would, would you expect the Raiders to end up signing Kaepernick? I know it's so hard to say, you know, whether right. they will, whether they won't. But w- would you say it's it's likely at this point, kind of 50-50 for you? Where are you in terms of if they would sign him or if they won't sign him at this point? You know, that that's a great question because, you know, we just don't know. You know, we asked Josh McDaniels the other day at OTAs, and he said, hey, we don't talk about players that aren't on the roster. He said, we bring in players all the time. We work them out. We try to do everything we can to improve the team. Uh, we're going to do that all the time. And he just happens to be the only one that's going to be a workout guy that's going to get as much attention as as he did i mean there was literally 45 to 50 media members in the media room and that never happens like that right it's usually like eight to ten of us max and there was like 40 to 50 i mean it was all the kaepernick effect so i think that the raiders uh have to think about what they saw what they heard from him in the interview process apparently he was there five or six hours and then also hey is there going to be too much you know media is there going to be too much conversation about literally a backup quarterback you know so i think they have to weigh all that in uh if they do sign him i don't think it's going to be anytime soon i mean I, i really don't i think that if they do sign him it'll be closer to training camp or in training camp um and i guess that's kind of a a a weird way of skirting around the question because I just I just don't know you know I mean I I don't know how they feel about him and how they feel about the attention that he's gonna he's gonna draw so uh if he if they were to sign him like I said I think it'll be closer to or during training camp 
Yeah, that, that makes sense. And especially with the depth that they have at the position, it's not necessarily they need a quarterback. We have to rush to sign someone. Right. So if they want someone to have just in their back pocket to say, hey, you know, this, this guy worked out for us. He did pretty well. We have the option. I think that could be a bit. You, just, you never really know at this point. I completely right. get that. But Hugh, the NFL, their schedule came out. The, every team schedule came out a couple of weeks ago. Now we don't just know who they play, but when they play, how the Raiders schedule fall in terms of opponents, road games, away games. How was right. it for you? Well, I mean, for their schedule, man, it's a tough one, you know, I mean, and, and, you know, we always look at the strength of schedule on paper and we, you know, look at it and say, okay, this is going to be a real tough one, or this is an easier schedule. We, you know, in reality, we really don't know. We don't know how teams are going to be uh, the next year from one year to the next. We have a good idea, but I mean, for example, did anyone expect Baltimore to be as banged up as they were last year? I mean, nobody expected that going into the season. So what they were into who they're going to be this year is probably two different teams. But with that being said, I looked at their schedule and I thought it was pretty fair. Favorable. Uh, they have one game that's a, a real cold game that I expect, and that's Christmas uh, Eve in Pittsburgh. They got to play that one. So that's going to be, you know, a, a cold one. And I always look at uh, cold games. I look at when the bye week is. I look at when the division opponents are. You know, I think that they get a break. They play Kansas City week five in Kansas City. So that's an earlier game in the season. So it's not as going to be not going to be as cold. Uh, I think they have an opportunity where they can go into Kansas City on a Monday night, possibly win that game. But I'll tell you the the. You're going to learn a lot about the Raiders at the last month of the season. December is a dog. All right. The whole, I mean, and, and you know that in, in the league, it's all about, you know, it's not what you do in September and October. It's November, December. December is going to make or break the Raiders. I mean, they just have game after game. They have the Chargers. Uh, they, they end the season with the Chiefs. They have the Steelers. They have the Patriots. I mean, they just like team after team after team that's going to be a tough team tough out uh they got all these games you know they have short weeks like they play a sunday game then all of a sudden a thursday game and uh like i said man i think it goes like chargers rams um no 49ers are in there as well the steelers are in there the chief i mean it's just it's just a gauntlet the last five weeks so uh you're gonna learn a lot about the silver and black that that month of december but uh, for the most part, man, I'm excited about it. It's a tough schedule, but I mean, hey, you know, you, that's why we watch the games, right? We watch them and love it because it's a it's a tough out. So uh, I'm just excited about it. And, and getting that schedule in your hand, it feels like you're that much closer to the season, which we know it's, we're not anywhere close to it. But still, it, it kind of gives us that tease that we love so much. Yeah, OTAs are here, and we'll yeah. move into training camp, move into the preseason, and the regular season will be here soon, but we're not quite there. But the Raiders certainly gearing up for a big season with Chandler Jones and Devontae Adams, and obviously you have Derek Carr there in pretty good shape and as the well. West, the dog. <laughs> That's right. That's Man. right. You have Russell Wilson. You have everybody. You can't count out Patrick Mahomes. So no. Tyree Kill is not there anymore. Still got Whatever. Travis Kelsey, and then obviously the yeah. Chargers. Man, that, that division is going to be, I think, the best in football this year. At least one of them. At least one yeah, of the top three sure. divisions in football. For sure. For sure. But Q, I appreciate you hopping on. Thanks so much. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. A big thanks to Q for hopping on, talking with me about the Raiders working out Colin Kaepernick. And the Raiders, obviously, a part of that really improved AFC West division. So whether Kaepernick signs or he doesn't, it's going to be very exciting to watch that Raiders team hopefully perform well for their sake in that loaded division. But we'll head into our first break here on Locked on NFL. So it's time to talk about, when we get back, I'll be taking over. I'll be talking about the Ravens signing Kyle Fuller and whether the Ravens now have the best secondary in the NFL. So be sure to stay tuned for that. Still a ton to talk about here 
on Locked On NFL. But first, I do want to tell you a bit about Bet Online. And our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your sports betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest odds, news, sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, which are now in the NBA Finals. You have Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures, which are creeping up. And with Bet Online, they're your continued source for all your sports waging information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. They have a ton of different offerings. So you can head to the website today, use mobile device to learn more about the trends and action bet online where the game starts we're back here our second segment of locked on nfl kevin ostriker your host still here with you and again thank you for making locked on nfl your first listen of the day be sure to subscribe to us on youtube in video form follow us in audio form and make your second listen locked on sports today but i'm gonna be taking the reins here i'm the host of locked on ravens the ravens making a move over the course of the last week, and that was signing cornerback Kyle Fuller, just adding to their depth. And the big question now is, with the Ravens, obviously they were a team that was very injury-riddled in 2021. They lost multiple starters in their secondary, not to mention their running back room and Lamar Jackson and everybody. But it it does kind of bring up a conversation point for me at least, which when fully healthy, which team has the best secondary in the NFL? Now, there are a lot of deserving teams. We're going to get into those teams and the Ravens in particular and other ones and just kind of go through my personal rankings. And look, to me, it is so close that I definitely wouldn't blame anybody if they had kind of switched these teams around and said, well, actually, no, this team is one, this team is two, but we'll talk about that here. So Kyle Fuller, I think is probably the missing piece for this Ravens in the secondary. The Ravens, they lost both Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters to injuries in 2021. Humphrey was lost for the back half, like the end part of the 2021 season with the torn pec muscle. Peters missed the entire year with a torn ACL that he suffered in practice. Really just days before the regular season started, they were missing their starting safety to Sean Elliott, who ended up tearing his pec as well. And he was out from, I believe it was week 10 beyond. And so you just had a ton of guys who were playing, you know, four, three spots up on the depth chart. And it caused the team to be one of the worst passing defenses in the entire NFL in 2021. So hopefully getting back Marcus Peters at full strength, getting back Marlon Humphrey, adding Kyle Fuller. This team signed Marcus Williams from the Saints in the offseason, drafted Kyle Hamilton, number 14 overall in the first round. They have added pieces. And of course, this is all going into if everybody's fully healthy. If Marcus Peters doesn't come back on time or if someone else gets injured, Obviously, rankings change, right? And that's just with any other team. But now you have the top three corners in Baltimore is Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, Kyle Fuller. The top three safeties in Baltimore is Marcus Williams, Kyle Hamilton, and then also Chuck Clark, who has been a mainstay on this defense for the past couple of seasons. Really a glue guy. He wears the green dot for them, gets everybody in position. He's a very underrated and important piece on the defense. So I think when looking at just what the Ravens have, it's not just – the star power because we t- we can talk about Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters and all those guys and say, well, they have stars on that defense. But I think it goes a bit beyond that because this year, I think they're more well positioned with their depth. So, you know, you, you have guys like Tony Jefferson and, and Geno Stone. They drafted Jalen Amore Davis and Demarion Williams, and they have others as well. They did lose a bunch of their cornerback depth, but I think they were able to replace it. And again, fully healthy. This team is, is one of the best secondaries in the league, but you have to also look at teams like the Packers, like the Chargers, like the Saints, you know, teams like Cleveland and Miami and Buffalo. And there are a ton of really, really, really good secondaries in this league. I mean, Green Bay has Jair Alexander, who we talked to Peter Bukowski last week, and he said 
that he believes Green Bay has the best secondary in the NFL. So, you know, you're, you're looking at it from that perspective with, yeah, Jair Alexander and Russell Douglas, and you have the safety duo back there of Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos, and you have just so many good players in that secondary, but then you also look to the Chargers and they have JC Jackson and obviously Derwin James, we know is so good when he's on the field. It just comes down to health with him. Nazir Adderley is there. Michael Davis, really underrated cornerback. Asante Samuel Jr. New Orleans signing Tyron Matthew and Marcus May. Obviously, Marshawn Lattimore is one of the best cornerbacks in this league. Pulsa Debo is there as well. So there are teams there that have the star power, have the depth, but I think Baltimore combines those two things together. And I'm not saying, you know, no other team in the NFL has both of them. I mean, Miami has a lot of great players, Cleveland, as I talked about. But where does it come down to at the end of the year if guys do have to miss time? Yeah, the depth helps out a ton. If no one misses time, which, again, this is the NFL injuries do happen all the time. Every, every team goes through them. You, you have the necessary players to say, yeah, we have a star power guy and we have this guy and that guy. That's what the Ravens are probably telling themselves right now is the fact that they're able to trot out multiple guys in multiple different positions. And this isn't just like, well, Marlon Humphrey is going to play 100% of the snaps outside and Marcus Williams is going to play 100% of the snaps at free safety. These guys are going to move all around this defense. The Ravens will probably use three safety looks a lot of the time. We don't really know the exact percentages yet, obviously, but I think this team has just so much depth across the board, plus that depth woven in with the star power. I'm going to give Baltimore the slight edge and say that they do, in fact, have the best secondary in, in the NFL, but not by a very wide margin. I mean, that's not, again, not a slight to them. I think their secondary is very talented, but Green Bay, I think, is number two. The Chargers, number three. The Saints, number four. This is not like the Ravens have the best secondary and everybody else is just, like, terrible. No, the Packers are very, very good in their secondary. Chargers, talent. Saints talent. I mean, that's my one through four is, is the Ravens, the Packers, the Chargers, the Saints. And, you know, if you're going on a scale of 10 and if you're saying, well, the first place team is a 10, well, we'll go the Ravens are 10. Then you have the Packers at like 9.8 and the Chargers at like 9.5. It's very, very, very close. But Kyle Fuller brings inside outside versatility to the Ravens. So you can maybe if, if Marcus Peters has to sit out a couple of weeks as he kind of finishes up his rehab or you want to do a couple of different things with Marlon Humphrey, moving him into the slot. You can move Kyle Fuller to the outside. You can put him on the inside. That's a lot of what this Ravens team likes to do. They also have Brandon Stevens. They have Ardarius Washington, who, two guys who can play in the slot very well. So at the end of the day, I think we will see a turnaround in Baltimore's defense, especially in the secondary, because I mean, look, Jamar Chase put up 200 on this team. Joe Burrow just annihilated them two different weeks of the season and at the end of the year the defense started to play a lot better but it was the close games the end of the end of game drives where you know for example like the rams and the steelers would you know march down the field put the ball into the end zone and then that would be that the ravens offense without lamar jackson those running backs it just wasn't as powerful to be able to go down the field and in four plays and, and get 60 yards and get justin tucker in the field goal range you know it happened against detroit but that was very early on in the season and justin tucker hit that 66 yarder and again there's there's nobody like justin tucker in this league so i'm very excited to see what this ravens secondary can do and, and there are a bunch of those talented secondaries but I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and say it you know i think the ravens do have the best secondary in this league and i wouldn't I wouldn't think that 
there is a huge difference in the amount of secondaries in terms of, yeah, well, the Ravens have this great one, then everybody else is terrible. No, again, that's not what I think. A lot of talented ones in this league, but I think, again, Baltimore is the most talented. I'll, I'll stick by that. I, I think it's where I'm going to go here because, you, you know, Kyle Hamilton was not expected to fall to this team at 14. Kyle Hamilton was supposed to be a top five, top seven pick in my estimation. He falls to, to 14, and the Eagles, they trade, a, they trade ahead of the Ravens, and I thought, oh, well, this is going to be for Kyle Hamilton, and I kind of honed in on Hamilton at that point. I'm like, well, for me, it's Hamilton, and if not, it's probably going to be Jordan Davis. Well, the Eagles take Jordan Davis. The Ravens get Hamilton to fall right into their lap, and this has been a team that has valued their secondary. They've placed high draft capital into it. They have signed a lot of big players, the big money contracts, you know, big extensions. Marlon Humphrey almost did $100 million on that contract extension. Marcus Williams signed that five-year $70 million deal. And even before that, you look at the Earl Thomas signing, and obviously that did not work out for multiple reasons. But on the field, it was a great player. They signed Marcus Peters to an extension. Jimmy Smith was there for multiple years. He continued to re-up and re-up and re-up. So, you know, They've invested in the secondary. Even Tony Jefferson signing a four-year right around $30 million deal was considered to be a little bit of a splash at the time. So I think for Baltimore, they've invested in the secondary. I think their investment will pay off this year with the combined star power, the combined depth that they have. And so that's where I'm going. I think Baltimore has the best secondary in the NFL. While fully healthy, of course, it, it does come down to on paper. We haven't seen these teams play yet. So maybe, you know, maybe there's a, a couple bumps in the road here and there for the Ravens and a team like the Packers who have had their guys together for, you know, a pretty long time. Now they, they have the best secondary for the first couple weeks, but then the Ravens take over because their guys are there. So it could be very fluctuating, but I'll say on paper right now, the Baltimore Ravens do have the best secondary in the NFL. But we'll head into our final break here on Locked on NFL. Still time to talk about, we'll be diving into the David Njoku extension with Jeff Lloyd of Locked on Browns coming up. So don't go anywhere. We still have a lot to talk about here on Locked on NFL. We're back here. Our final segment of Locked on NFL. Kevin Ostreicher, your host, still here with you. And again, thank you for making Locked on NFL your first listen of the day. Be sure to subscribe to us here on YouTube as well as follow us in audio form. But now we're going to be diving into the David Njoku extension with Jeff Lloyd of Locked on Browns, a big time, big money contract for David Njoku. And Jeff will help us break it down here now. Joining me now, one of the hosts of Locked On Browns, Jeff Lloyd, joining me here to talk about the extension for David Njoku. Four years, $56.75 million. Jeff, that's a big get for the Browns bringing back David Njoku. How are you doing today? Uh, we are good. Um, it's always good to talk to you, Kevin. Obviously, as everybody knows, you know, Kevin's, you know, we do the crossovers episodes. We've talked a lot with Kevin over the last few years. Um, with, Devin, with David Njoku, this was always something that was going to get done. Um, the Browns franchise tagged him basically to say, hey, look, we're not there yet on whatever this deal is going to be. Um, there was obviously mad interest on the Browns side. There was certainly interest on um, David Njoku's side to continue this relationship. You know, David, you would say he's maybe part of the core of where this team is. You know, one of the three first round picks back in 2017, along with Miles Garrett, Jabril Peppers, obviously no longer with the Cleveland Browns. Um, but it's been interesting, you know, and obviously in 18, you know, at 17 as a rookie, made some splash plays. 18 with Baker Mayfield uh, played well. 2019 missed most of the season. Now here was 2020 and going into year four with a brand new regime. And, you know, they loved his athleticism. They loved what he thought he could be in the passing game. But Kevin Stefanski loves tight ends. His offensive system loves tight ends. You've got to be a complete tight end to play for Coach Kevin Stefanski. Early in 2020, David Njoku didn't play a lot. And it was kind of because we need we, – you can't be a tell. 
you've got to be a contributor, you know, as a blocker. As time went on, he improved and then became more of a factor as the year went on. 2021 um, didn't get the amount of targets he probably deserved, and the same thing in 2020. Um, but the Browns didn't know enough about David Njoku, so they gambled on Austin Hooper. Um, but you saw in 2020, there was most of the time you saw signs where David Njoku was more of an athlete, more of an athlete, more of a contributor, could be a bigger contributor in the passing game, but you paid Austin Hooper all this money. Um, the blocking was getting better for David Njoku. It was good for Austin Hooper. But in 2021, you saw who was the better player. Um, granted, David Njoku didn't get the amount of opportunities that Austin Hooper did. But David Njoku was the better tight end for the Browns in 2021. They knew this is something they needed to continue. And I believe they have really high hopes for what David Njoku can do because obviously they feel tremendously um, that they hugely upgraded at the quarterback position with all they had invested. And that has, you have to think that improves players like David Njoku. It improves players like Harrison Bryant, Donovan Peoples Jones, et cetera, et cetera. Everybody last year who was here who was young. They feel that just bringing in Deshaun Watson should help these players improve. Right. And I think also with the money, a lot of people were thinking about, well, this is a contract that you're giving out to a guy that has less than 2000 receiving yards in five seasons in this league. So where's the value here, Jeff? Did you think that this was right around the money that you thought Njoku would get? Did you think he would get less or more? How are you feeling about the actual terms of the deal? I think this was around, and look, I mean, everybody, you know, we know how deals work. Look, year one, David Njoku's not getting nearly as much money as he would have gotten on franchise tag. You go to year two, and that's where we're already in, the, like kicking, kicking the can down the road type of territory. These are the contracts the Browns have been giving out. They've been giving them out to everybody. They get satisfied. The Browns get what they want. They continue to be able to have flexibility with the, uh, the salary cap. Um, I, I, maybe if you said it's a little bit higher than expected, you know, Sure, maybe that's okay. Um, but obviously the Browns were in a position where, you know, David Njoku and his camp knew that they were wanted. So guess what? You know, the little tug of war there, you know, the Browns are going to say, well, we're going to structure the contract this way as long as you're satisfied this way. So, you know, obviously that happened. There's a lot of naysayers that are going to look at the statistical production of David Njoku up to this point of his career and say, well, uh, who else is making this money and where are they at statistically? I understand. That's a fair argument to bring up. Obviously, the Browns think that David Njoku was going to take a major jump statistically. Um, keep in mind that this was a team that was featuring three tight ends the last two years with Austin Hooper, with David Njoku, with Harrison Bryant. That is now, as far as the passing game side of it, it's going to be cut down to two with Njoku, with Bryant. Maybe less targets going there with a player like Deshaun Watson, certainly a possibility. But they valued all the work he had put in to become a solid blocker. And his blocking is a lot better than anybody will mention. I, I just want to say that and emphasize that. And there is the potential there to have a game like he did last year against the Los Angeles Chargers, where he goes seven for 155, a 75-yard touchdown. He is a special athlete. He's kind of a unicorn. He's never going to be featured like a Travis Kelsey. It's not the way the Browns do it. The Browns want to use every paint on the palace, so to speak. So he's not ever going to be the guy who goes 80 for 1,000. It's not going to be the case. Um, but for the Browns, obviously, they're comfortable with it the way it is. Um, and I think, you you know, for people who are doubters, you're going to see a big jump here for David Njoku. I think he'll play a little bit better with a mobile quarterback. These rollouts now, they used to run them with Baker Mayfield. They're going to be a lot more decisive now with a player like Deshaun Watson, who's a better athlete, a better runner. Um, so for David, for the Browns, this worked out really, really well. And it's weird because there was a point where David had, you know, changed agents to Drew Rosenhaus. 
They tried to draw a line in the sand to get a contract at that point that they certainly weren't ready for. Um, he ends up going back to his original agency and did get the contract he, you know, deserved and worked for. And it was based off of two years just under this new regime. And Jeff, when looking at your expectations for Njoku, so whether that's statistically or just his pure role, obviously it will look a little different with Deshaun Watson and just who he is as a player on the football field. Plus, obviously, the tight end situation is a bit different now in Cleveland this time of year. So what is your expectations or what are those expectations for you when it comes to Njoku? Well, the thing is, is there's other ways you can use him. You can kind of use him as a big slot. He, you know, there's not a lot of linebackers that can run with David Njoku. There are safeties if you're going to go one-on-one. If you throw it on the numbers of David Njoku, these safeties can't get around him to break up the balls. Um, I think the Browns would be satisfied if the reception total was north of 50, closer to 60 you know, 750 to north of 800 yards receiving. Um, I'm not saying these are truly the hard ironclad numbers because for the Browns, it's all going to be about winning. But then you figure anywhere like the eight touchdown range, you know, not the elite of tight ends where you're talking 90 to 100, you know, 1,000 to 1,200, north of 10 touchdowns. But that 50 to 60 reception range, 7,800 receiving yards. And, you know, Somewhere, you know, seven to nine touchdowns, maybe put the number there. He has that cape of a you know capability. He is that type of receiver. Um, I know a lot of people are still seem to be fixated on drops with David Ejoku. That hasn't been an issue in a long time. This past season, he only had two. Um, and look, he's young. It's not like you're giving this to him at 28 years old. David is gonna turn 26 this summer. So, you know, keeping in mind he's already been in the league five full seasons. He's still a baby in NFL sta- you know, standpoints, and the Browns worked with him. He was receptive to the work, and you know, now it's going to be about production. But because if there isn't, there's going to be media, there's going to be fan base that say, "Hey, are we sure we were on the money with this deal?" Right, and the Browns a, a busy couple weeks with Jadavian Clowney first resigning. You have the David and Joku extension. Cleveland, a very talented roster and a very talented division, and I'm excited to see how they end up stacking up in the whole AFC North, but also the entire AFC. Jeff, thanks so much for joining me here. Oh, anytime, Kevin. Uh, you know, obviously we're gonna you know talk a couple times here. Uh, you know, I know you've gotten to me, but you'll be part of uh, you know some. Crossover Locked On Browns with, and anybody who doesn't know, uh, we're now a two-man show over at Locked On Browns. Garrett Bush, part of the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show, uh, is along for the ride with me full-time. It's been fun. It's certainly been something new. 1,200 episodes where I basically drove this show by myself. Always had guests. Always had guests. Um, but now it's a, a two-man working panel. It's been a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, Kevin, keep up the great work. You know, I know you you do fantastic work. Uh, you know, keeping the Ravens fans informed as much as I don't like to say that. And it's certainly a great job here at Locked On, uh, Locked On NFL Podcast. It's always a pleasure talking ball with you. Appreciate you so much, Jeff. And be sure to check out Locked On Browns again. Jeff and Garrett bringing you Browns coverage five days a week. Thanks again, Jeff. A big thanks to Jeff for hopping on, talking with me about the David Njoku extension. Big money for David Njoku, a player who many will look at and say, well, the stats don't match the contract, but with an increased role, we could see a very big uptick in production for David Njoku in 2022 as well as beyond. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked on NFL. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm going to get back in tomorrow. We have more content here with your Tuesday host, so be sure to stay tuned for that, and we will see you right back here tomorrow.